What's up, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Good Goal Podcast. This is episode 21. I'm Christian Brady. That's Matt T.R. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. I just had to spit out my gum. I should have done that before we started yeah, that recording. Was real, that was real, <laughs> real professional there. Yeah. Uh, I'm good. How's Clemson? How's Clemson? Uh, it's not the same. Yeah, I know. Sucks. I can only imagine. This is uh, our full week for all the listeners. This is our full, like, first full week of class. And um, I don't know. I don't know about you, Christian, but it sucks. I want to be on campus. I want to be around people. I want football. 100%. It's hitting me hard. It's days like this where you're happy to have the podcast because I was going from 8 a.m. to 6.15. It is right now. I was done at 6. Um, other than that, it's just been all work finally get to talk to you in a language that I speak, which is hockey and not Spanish, which I had to yeah. do today. So this is, I feel comfortable here. I like it. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, as uh, we say in sign language, it's hockey. For all you people uh, watching on YouTube. That's, that's hockey? Yeah, so you make a palm and then you make like a little stick with your finger and you just go like that. Dang, all right. Yeah. I know sign language. There you go. <laughs> Actually, there's no there's no Canadian American sign language because Canadian sign language is only that word. So that's a fun fact for you. Yeah, there you go. Fun fact for you. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, do you want me to start off the first the first thing? Yeah, I would. I would like you to. I want to hear what you have to think. Okay. Big news in the hockey world. Thank God. Um, but here's a here's a warning for everyone listening to our podcast. Turn your volumes down because I'm it's about to get loud up in here. Um, Washington Capitals fire head coach Todd Reardon. Have I? I mean, we just talked about this last week. I wanted us to lose the series so we could fire it. Um, Short term sacrifice for long term success. He was not the answer when we hired him. Everybody on Twitter was saying how pissed they were that we let Trotz go. I said that even before we won the Cup. Um, reports are that Gerard Gallant and Mike Babcock are the front runners. I might throw up in my mouth live on this podcast. Um, and then GM. Yeah. Go ahead. Mike Babcock would be a disaster. I really hope he doesn't get hired. Absolute horror story. Um, and then these guys hate him. Uh, and then GM Brian McClellan said that previous head coaching experience is a must, and it's a win now attitude before Ovi, Ovi Backstrom, Oshi, they all start to decline. Um, and I won't get too much into offseason talk because we got a lot of it coming up after the playoffs, so we're going to save it all for then. So yeah, but my first initial thought is. Gallant would be fine. Babcock would be a disaster. And I want Peter Laviolette. So those like are my that. those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, Gallant and Laviolette should be plan A. Those guys. Babcock would be a disaster, um, mainly because he refuses to adapt to this new style of hockey. Um, we're not the 2006 Detroit Red Wings. We have too much swagger on our team. We got too much young talent. We have the Norris Trophy winner, um, and he doesn't know how to produce or work well with offensive defensemen. I mean, we saw that firsthand. It would be a nightmare. Yeah, not only does he not adapt to the new 
hockey world. He's not adapting to the new world either. He's set in the 70s with, with the way that he talks to people, the way he treats his players. Just horror stories out of Toronto. I, I don't wish that on any Washington Capitol player as much animosity as I might feel towards him as a result of being your friend. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right, why don't we move on real quick. Another sort of off-season. Right. I'm sure we'll get into after the season ends, but huge trade. The Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins in a blockbuster deal. The Penguins sent Toronto forward Evan Rodriguez, forward Philip Hallander, defenseman David Worsowski, and a 2020 first-round pick, and that draft is happening in a few weeks, I think. Um, it's a number 15 Penguins. overall pick, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Penguins receive forward Pontus Abers, defenseman Jesper Lindgren, and forward, the, this is the marquee guy of the deal, Kasperi Kapanen, who's 24 years old. He had 30 point, 36 points this year in 69 games, two years left on his contract. He's making three mil this year. Um, oh, he was drafted by the Penguins. I didn't know that, Matt. So this is a guy, that's a good guy. Yeah, Threw that in there because it's so funny that people on Twitter were talking about this. He was drafted by the Penguins in 2015, and he, the Penguins traded him to Toronto for Phil Kessel. Um, so everybody was, like, Malkin was trending on Twitter because they were saying, well, you got your wish of getting rid of, Mal- or getting rid of Kessel to Arizona. Now you have to play with the guy who you traded him for. So it's just fun. Yeah. One thing that says about him is they like him immediately. They liked him as a young guy when they drafted him. And now they must have liked the way he progressed because he's the marquee in a deal that we're without him really having significant success in the future. It looks like they lost this deal from a, you know, blind right off the bat standpoint. It looks like the Penguins didn't get what they should have. So they're obviously very high on him. Um, so the Penguins definitely won the deal that sent him to Toronto. They got Phil Kessel and they got two Stanley Cups. Uh, Mm -hmm. this deal to acquire him back, I don't think we're going to know who actually won this deal till sometime next season. Um, Mm -hmm. but right now at face value, they got fleeced. So, yep. So we'll get into this a little bit once the playoffs end but we got a lot on our plate right now to talk about hockey that's actually happening now and not hockey that happens next year. So why don't we get right into it? As we always do, we'll start in the West. The number one seeded Vegas Golden Knights versus number seven Vancouver Canucks. The Knights fleeced the Canucks in game one, five, nothing. Absolute absolute gong show. It was not even close. Vancouver did not look like themselves. Um, so they lead that series one nothing, and they play again tonight, probably 9-30-10, tonight being Tuesday. Uh, I'm excited for that game to see how Vancouver bounces back. But, Matt, what did you see in the first game? So, technically, Vancouver's the sixth seed, but like I said earlier, I'm going to keep the seeds they originally had just because I think it's cool if lower seeds advance. Um, Me too. Vegas looked like the best team in the NHL. Uh they absolutely – fleeced is not even the right word for it. I mean, they, they trashed them. Vancouver looked like they should have been playing in the AHL. Um, unfortunately, I expect the same thing tonight. I don't think Vancouver I, – I picked them to lose against St. Louis, and they, and they bounced back and proved me wrong. But they don't even look like they should be in the same league as Vegas. Mm. 
Yeah, it was an interesting game to watch. Uh, Vegas is built for these five nothing wins where they have explosive offense, but also they're just a physically imposing team. So when they play the slower, more physical style game, they're going to dominate it from start to finish. What Vancouver has to do is yeah. pick the speed up of the game, and if they do that, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game five nothing or whatever, just because Vegas really can't keep up with that type of speed. Uh, I mean, Vancouver can skate with any team in this league. It didn't look like them last night, but they really can. Or it wasn't last night. It was Sunday night, I think. But either way, um, they didn't look good. If they can't get back to that fast style of play, it's not going to be good for them in this series. Um, just to make a pick, I know it's kind of unfair because we started. I, I have to pick Vegas. I know you probably do too. But I think Vancouver will put up a fight. I don't see them going down easy. Um, okay, so, yeah, it's kind of, like, cheap that we we're starting now, but I got Vegas in five. Um, cool. So, I also want to point out, go check out – actually, I think he deleted it, but Marc-Andre Fleury, his agent posted this, like, painting of Fleury, like, in a butterfly position in a Knights jersey, and he's got a sword through his back, and written on the sword is Peter Dubois' name. Peter DeBoer's name, um, as if like signaling the Knights betrayed him by starting Robin Lehner. I sent it to you on Twitter. You you would you just said wow. Um, I want to get your full thoughts now that we're on the podcast. Yeah, um, such a weird move to me, um, especially. And I know this is like a superficial or materialistic way to think about it, but Flurry already got paid. So from an agent's point of view, it's why is he six million a year? Right. So I would understand why Flurry would be upset. And maybe this is a situation where the agent is just operating as a friend of his, knowing that he's upset and trying to release it. But from an agent standpoint, I don't see any motivation to do this. The guy's already getting his money. Who cares if he plays? It just means he's not getting hurt. Um, but I can imagine that Flurry's probably upset that his team went out and got Leonard even at the deadline. And that now that he has taken over, I can see him being upset. But at the same time, um, I mean, he could be along the ride for a, a win here. I mean, I mean, a ring. And he's been in this situation before where he's had to be called in to play as a, I mean, not as a backup, but as a 1A. He's been in this situation before with Matt Murray and there are a couple of runs. So I don't know why this time would be different. It really is. It's a distraction. I don't think. He should have done it for the sake of the team. Um, who knows? It was just baffling. Yeah, so that's kind of what that's kind of what Flurry said was like um, the intention. The intention wasn't to be a distraction. I think that's why he ended up deleting it. But um, the article I read did say that Flurry and his agent have been like friends since high school. Um, which again would make sense to what you said as a friend standpoint, but as an agent standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the tweet was a distraction because it went viral uh, on Twitter, and you can't blame the Golden Knights front office for going ro with Robin Lehner because he's only lost one game ever in a Knights jersey, regular season and playoffs. Um, so, I mean, Robin Lehner's the guy. If they're going to win a cup, it's going to be with him because he's playing lights out. This is like his third shutout this playoffs. So, yeah, he's playing awesome. If it's his job, then it, 
it doesn't look like he's going to lose it right now. And that's the situation it seems like we're in. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out because I saw it on Twitter and I know a couple of our listeners probably saw it, but, um, but yeah, Robin Lander's the guy. And again, we talked about it last episode that Flurry, this is like the third time he's gotten Drew Bledsoe in his career, but he's to me seems like the type of guy that regardless of the situation, he's going to be a leader in the locker room. Um, it just seems like a weird, like this would be the time that, that tips the edge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's the part that makes me think that the agent went rogue in this situation. I don't think that Flurry should have any of those sentiments. In his press conference, he didn't uh, he didn't comment on it at all. He just kind of ghost answered like a lot of guys do. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's just really – I wish we didn't have to talk about it because that's something that – I mean, we should be focused on how well Vegas is playing, you know, but and how Leonard is playing. Yeah, Leonard's played awesome. You mentioned it. He won the job fair and square, it seems like. He's really playing out of his head right now. So, good for him. Um, hopefully, he keeps it up. Yeah, that's all I got. Cool. Me too. All right. Why don't we move on? Um, the next series in the West is the number two seed, Colorado Avalanche, versus the number three, Dallas Stars. Dallas surprisingly up to a commanding 2-0 lead. Uh, they won game one 5-3 and game two 5-2. Game three will be tomorrow night. Uh, Dallas has looked awesome so far. You're very high on Colorado. I am too. But I think one thing that we both agreed upon at the beginning of this was that first line isn't going to be able to get it done the way that they were able to in the regular season. They can't win games anymore. Now you need your depth scoring. And that is the number one blaring issue on the team in the playoffs so far or in the series so far is the inability to produce past, you know, Rantanen, Landeskog, and, uh, and McKinnon. So hopefully those guys can step up, guys like McCarr and, you know, that back end for them, those uh, depth guys, and they're going to need it going forward because that's the number one issue right now. So – I sent you a tweet that was like, this year's playoffs, Nathan McKinnon is like a human highlight reel. And your response was so sarcastic. You were like, man, I've never heard of this guy. We never talk about him on the podcast. But it has to be mentioned how well Nathan McKinnon's playing. Like, putting the team on his back is an understatement. He is absolutely lighting up the lamp, whether it's assists or goals, but he can't do it by himself. Um, they have five goals in this series compared to Dallas's 10. I'm pretty sure four out of the five are on the power play. That's not going to win games. Um, the biggest issue for me is that Grubauer is hurt. He got hurt in game one. He hasn't been back. He's out indefinitely. I think if they're going to win the cup, it's going to have to be without him. And I've never even heard of the guy who's in net for them. Um, and another big loss is Matt Calvert, who's a depth guy. He's third line center, um, plays awesome on the boards, quick guy, plays on the PK. And then last, last game, they lost Eric Johnson, who to me is the all-around best defenseman for them. So the injuries are catching up with Colorado, and they don't have the depth scoring. Uh, I would love to see McKinnon carry his team all the way, but I don't think it's possible, especially with how good this Dallas team is. Uh, unfortunately, I overlooked them in the qualifying round or the round robin and in the first round. But Q Dobin is standing on his head, and 
for some reason, uh, all the players in Dallas are stepping up uh, around Sagan and Ben. It's not just them. So. Yep. Yep. Like you said, Hudobin is awesome. Uh, so I know we got a huge head start on this, Matt, but I'm going to say Dallas and six. I want to hear your pick. Uh, Dallas and six as well. Now that we have two games in and Dallas won both of them, I think Colorado can sweep out two wins, especially if their power play keeps getting chances because that power play is lethal. But uh, you can't win a series relying on a power play or your top line. It's just not going to happen. Yep. So, Especially with a team as disciplined as Dallas, that's their main uh, story for this year is how they've always kind of been a team um, that focuses more on the offense and the defense, and they flipped the script this year, and that's why they've had so much success with their team defense and their discipline has been awesome. So yep. if you're Colorado and you're relying on that power play and you run into a team that doesn't take very many penalties, well, then your luck starts to dry up. So. Yep. Plus your franchise goalie is out, and, I again, I've never even heard of this guy. He's in net, so – yeah, no, your brother could probably, your brother could probably probably play better than the way this guy's playing right now. So, yeah, he did not look good. Ten goals in two games. Yeah, he did not look good. <laughs> Give him like three goals in three minutes. All right, let's move on to the East. Uh, number one seed, Philadelphia Flyers against the formerly seven seed New York Islanders. This series is one to nothing, Islanders. New York won game one commandingly, 4 nothing with an empty net goal. Game two will be tomorrow night, Wednesday. Did you watch the first game, Matt? I think you did. I watched every minute. Yep. They look great. Um, the look great. And Philly did not. Carter Hart let in a Philly looked slow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Philly looked slow. Carter Hart looked not himself. And the New York Islanders, uh, this is going to sound crazy, they played New York Islanders hockey. Uh, they went up one nothing. They parked the bus in front of the blue line. They got a counterattack. Paggio scored on a rebound, two nothing. They put even more people back. Um, they scored again, and then Vigneault pulled the goalie with seven minutes and thirty seconds left, <laughs> and they they scored an empty net again. This looked like the New York Islanders. Uh, I was watching with my friend Daniel, who's straight out of Long Island. He was on my last beer money podcast and I looked at him when they went up one nothing I said god it is so frustrating playing the Isles I mean they trashed the Capitals but they went up one nothing and you know they're gonna win it probably one nothing Um, they just got lucky with two more goals and then an empty netter but you knew they weren't gonna let any more goals after they went up one nothing because that's just the way they play yep it is and as we keep mentioning to play like that you need to have the goaltending, and Varlamov has looked so solid. Uh, doesn't look like he's trying out there, which is what you want out of your goalie. You want him to look like he's handling everything with ease, which is exactly how Semyon Varlamov looks. Uh, good for that guy, the journeyman. Uh, he's been around the league. He was in the Caps for a while, the Caps system, um, and he's gone elsewhere. 2010, obviously. he was our starting goalie. Right. Right, so good for him making a comeback. Similar story to the next series, which we're about to get into, Yaro Halak, another journeyman who's now found a new home where he finds himself as a starter just because just he, you know, whatever. Varlamov sounds like he won the job. 
Yarrow just kind of lucked into it, I guess you'd say. But both of them, um, you know, making good impressions as goalies in, in this round. So you need that goaltending in the playoffs. I know we talk a lot about goaltending on this podcast, but it is an extremely important part of it. So, yeah, he's looked great. And as I just mentioned, let's move on. The last series, Tampa Bay Lightning, the number two seed against the number four seed, Boston Bruins. Boston took a, a uh, one nothing lead against Tampa with a 3-2 win. Um, game two is in 29 minutes. Uh, I can't wait to watch We're going to try to hurry this out for Christian. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we got plenty of time. Uh, Boston looks <laughs> phenomenal for, I'd say, about 52 minutes. Um, a few minutes, just a few lucky breaks for Tampa. Victor Hedman on both of the goals, just throwing a puck on net and it deflects off to Charlie McAvoy and a couple defense going in front of the net, finds the goal. Other than that, from a Boston standpoint, you got to be happy with that win. Uh, Yarrow looked good, which is the biggest question mark. The first line looked great, two goals, one on the power play. Um, everybody else buying in, the defenseman looked great. It was an awesome win for, for Boston, and you're going to need wins like that. So what do you got? Uh, can we go back to the last series real quick? What, what's your prediction on Islanders mm. Flyers? Mm. Oh, sorry. This is such a tough pick, even though it's one nothing. Um, I know you were eager to get to your bees. I'm gonna pick. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna pick New York. Just I don't know. I love. I have family in New York who's pulling hard for the Islanders, and they typically pull hard for the Bruins when the Islanders are not in it. So I owe it to them. I'm going to pick the Islanders. I think it's going to be a great series. I'm going to say Isles in seven. Okay. Um, one one more point on Varlamov. Uh, you were singing his praises, and I, I want to I want in on that action. He's 40 seconds away from breaking the New York Islanders' all time like or consecutive shutout streak in the playoffs. Um, he's had like 121 minutes. Um, of shutouts because he shut us out in game whatever it was five and then shut out in game one. So props to him. Uh, if he gets that record, he deserves every, every accolade. Um, 40 seconds, got, yeah, 40 seconds. Okay, yeah. So win that face off and dump the puck in for your goalie. That's what you got to do it for the Islanders. Yeah, exactly. Don't get icing. Um, <laughs> I got, I got the Islanders in six. Um, just it's so frustrating to play them. Uh, all they need is one, and then they can just play their game comfortably. So, uh, and and it makes our loss look better if we yeah. the farther they go. Um, the same way, Matt. And I and you have to love Trotz if you're a Caps fan. Uh, so I, I just want to see him do well. Such a great guy for the sport, and um, wish him nothing but the best. So. Anyway, we can get back to Tampa, Boston. Okay. Well, I'm throwing it on to you. I want I want to hear your thoughts on the series. Tampa, Boston. Um, Boston hates Tampa because Tampa trashes them regularly. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, um, what was it? Back-to-back years, Tampa beat you guys in the playoffs. Um, I, we talk about it all the time that – there's no such thing as short memory in hockey. Uh, I have a feeling you guys remember that series, the year we won the cup. Uh, mm-hmm. Tampa won in five. 
Well, Tampa and the refs one in five. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, it was a gentleman's sweep, too. It was a commanding victory for Boston in game one, and then not a chance after that. Well, yeah, t- Tampa and the refs one in five. Uh, yeah. I, th- I have a feeling this is going to go a little bit differently. Um, I say Boston in seven. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to say Boston in six. Uh, same logic. Uh, Tampa is, I was saying this to my dad. They've looked so bad in the playoffs under John Cooper and with this new core of theirs. But that's like, and I draw, drew a conclusion to the Patriots. When the Patriots play and go 12 and four, their losses are typically not to Kansas City and Baltimore is typically to like the Titans and the Lions and whatever, because it's just like. And the Dolphins in Miami. Exactly. You can't just get over these certain teams. When Tampa gets punched in the mouth straight off the bat by the Bruins, it feels like it's a different tone. You know, it's not like you're playing Columbus and you're like, I need to win this series because whatever. We have so many expectations. It's such a different tone, which is why it worries me about this series because Tampa knows they're playing a team that is very, very good. They're going to hold them responsible so they can't get caught sleeping and get three, four goals up on them quick. Tampa knows that they have to be in it for every single second of this series and if they want to win it. And it's just like, it's almost like they're playing with house money. They got nothing to lose, um, which is what worries me. But I still do think Boston is going to win the series. I think the Bruins are the Bruins now, especially those first 50 minutes of the game. They looked unbelievable, like nobody could stop them. So I'm going to go with the Bruins in six. The, the story to me of this series is the power play. Uh, you, Tampa has an unbelievable power play. You guys have an unbelievable power play because Pasta is just putting up ridiculous numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think – whoever has the better power play is going to decide the series. And that sounds crazy, but as lethal as both of these power plays are, and as close as this series is, um, it's all it takes is one power play goal to change the entire series. So to me, it's going to be the the special teams decides this series. For sure. And in this bubble, there have been some questionable calls, I guess we'll say definitely some ticky tack things. Uh, for the most part, it is consistent. Uh, no team I've seen has come out and say, oh, we, the rest were awful. It's just mostly like they're calling way too much. But with that being said, it's creating a lot of excitement. And like you said, it makes the special teams that much more important um, in the outcome of yeah. the game. So, all right, before we go, Matt, we got two games tonight. Early game, Boston and Tampa, and then Vegas first Vancouver. I want to hear your predictions. For these two games and scores, uh, which which one are we going first? Uh, go with the. We'll go chronological. Go with Boston first. Um, I say Tampa squeaks out a win tonight. Uh, luck, lucky bounce, um, and then Boston can't can't get it done. I say like two one, uh, Tampa. Um, and then Boston just gets super pissed off and blows them out in game three. So Tampa squeaks out uh, a win tonight. But, again, it's a short-term, short-term sacrifice for long-term success. I think if Boston gets screwed over a little bit tonight, then they're just going to play that much more physical, that much more fast, um, and they're going to blow Tampa out of the water the game after. So 
Well, yeah, it's hard it's hard to pick against the Lightning following a win, uh, but I'm going to because I want Boston to sweep and be able to play some golf before the next turn, next series. So I guess say Boston. Uh, another 3-2 win, but this one I say is different. Either a comeback or it comes down to the last second. It's not a 3 nothing lead that quickly turns into 3-2 because of a couple bounces. I think this is a lot more evenly game, played game. Uh, I'll start in the West with the late game. I think Vancouver shoves it right back. I say 4-1 win Vancouver, no empty netters. I think it's a dominating win for Vancouver, much higher pace, much less physicality. Uh, Vancouver takes over this game and ties up the series. Um, I don't think I could disagree with you more on anything. I think Vegas <laughs> says this is our league now. Um, it's only our third season in the league, and we're the best team in the league. Um, I say it's like 4 nothing Vegas, and they just say, look, can we, can we hurry up to the Western Conference Finals because this is Bush League. Um, cool. So Vegas just dominates Vancouver tonight, and the Vancouver – goes back licking their wounds like, wait, we're already down 2 nothing, and we've given up 100 goals in two games. <laughs> yeah, interesting <laughs> note about this matchup. Since Vegas was conceived, I guess you'll say, since they entered the league, uh, Vancouver has not beat them in regulation. I'll qualify that. I think it's like 9-0-3 or something that, that Vegas is against Vancouver. But – no regulation wins for Vancouver against Vegas in the history of their franchise. So, <laughs> which is crazy to think. An interesting if they win a game. If they win a game in this series, they're making history. But that would be the case. One interesting point about this series is that Mark Andre Fleury hasn't like he's like twelve two and three against Vancouver lifetime. Um, he hasn't lost to Vancouver since two thousand six. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe you want to consider throwing that guy in there. I know both of these series, and this is, this is what we'll leave on, both of these series have some back-to-back. So, I'll start with this. Do you think Flurry plays on the back end of the back-to-back? Um, that's such a hard question because it's so dependent on how Lander plays tonight. Yeah. If he has another shutout, yeah. you're going to go with another guy? Yeah, you have to. Uh, I was watching a press conference today. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, the, the Bruins coach, when they asked him the same question, would – you probably don't even know it. Dan Vlatter, you know, the guy? Of course you don't. He's the back of goalie from Boston right now. They asked him <laughs> – they asked Bruce, do you think Dan would play – on the back end of a back-to-back. And he didn't once mention how Yara would play in game two. He said it all has to do with how Yara feels in game – in the morning, on Wednesday morning. Another thing he mentioned is if we take a 2-0 lead and we have the luxury of playing, you know, throwing different guys in the lineup, you'll see some lineup changes as we take on game three uh, with a 2-0 lead. So it sounds like if Boston wins tonight – and Yarrow is at 100% in, on Wednesday morning, uh, it looks like we're going to see Dan Vladar's debut as a goalie. Maybe Vegas is in the same sort of boat where you will see Flurry if they have a 2 nothing lead because not that you ever want to lose a game, but you do have a game to play with uh, and still keep the lead in the series. God, I, I, I hate that, though, because it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Um, you can't give up a game even if you're up three zero. Yeah, I don't know. No, yeah, that's just me. Like, definitely, I agree. But I do understand the logic where if you need the win, you won't even consider putting those other guys in. But you don't absolutely need to win. You're not giving up the game by any point. Um, he also mentioned he thinks the guys are going to play no matter who's in the net. He thinks the guys are going to play 100%. So it's not like you're rolling over and giving up the win, but you are saying, like you said, maybe chance of losing the game, short-term disappointment for long-term success. Yara Halak is a 35-year-old goalie who's playing more games on a single stretch than he has since probably 2010 when he played for Montreal. And even then, he ran out of gas at the end of the playoffs. So you're in a situation where you're probably going to need to rest him at some point. If you're up 2-0 on a back-to-back, you take that to your advantage. You earn that spot to be up 2-0. So that's the sort of situation that you have to play with. I think the Boston situation is different than the Vegas situation, like even though they both have back-to-backs. Just because Laner is so hot right now, um, I, I don't know. I, I think if Laner slips a little bit tonight and they do lose, it, that's, that's a different – conversation um i don't i also don't think that george mcphee the gm for vegas or DeBoer are gonna feed into the the twitter hype of your backstabbing flurry so they're not gonna put him in just for that either yeah yeah that's a unfortunately like we said that is something i have to think about and that's a good point that i didn't think about if you put in flurry, that's creating even more drama. But if the board just never mentions this or never puts him in, then he's not going to have to speak to it ever again. So maybe some yeah. motive there. Yeah, we'll see. All right, all right. Matt, that's go, all we got today. Go to your pregame rituals for the bees game. Definitely, definitely. I have to go like whatever. Do you have any? Do you have any? Yeah, do you have any, like, pregame rituals? Do you wear the same jersey or the same hat no, for every I game? Don't. Or? I don't. I don't. I'm going to watch it at a friend's tonight, so it will be the first time all playoffs that I'm not in on my couch. So who knows? If they lose, I'll never do that again. But, no, I really got no. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy the game. We'll be texting, um, and we'll try to fit in a podcast maybe before the end of the week if the series get crazy. Definitely. All right, Matt. All right. See you guys later. Peace.